0: Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from GigaOM. My name is Johnny Baltusberger and I am joined today by Michael Delzer, an analyst who works with us here at GigaOM. And Michael recently wrote a report for us. I say recently. uh, Michael wrote a report for us called The Key Criteria for Evaluating Performance Testing Tools. Now, Michael is currently working on the radar, the companion report that goes with this, but we're gonna talk about the key criteria today and we'll kind of just touch on what the radar is as is kind of our, our usual modus operandi here at Voices in Innovation. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh,
1: Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Good. Um, so kind of jumping in here. One of the things that's um, been kind of interesting to see what's happening for a long period of time, Testing tools had been kind of boring. Um, They really hadn't had significant changes to them. Uh, um, And uh, the market was kind of static. Uh, Around 2017, things started changing. Uh, People started acquiring other vendors. Uh, um, HP sold off its product to uh, Microfocus. Tricentis has been acquiring six companies um, since 2017. Uh, The last or the most recent one was uh, March 30th, where it uh, purchased uh, WebLoad. Uh, Okay,
0: that's just, in fact, that happened uh, after this key criteria report was written. Uh, We are talking, of course, of the key criteria for Mm -hmm. evaluating performance testing tools. Mm -hmm. Now, those of you in the know understand that our key criteria reports look at a technology in the field and kind of uh, take a look at where it is at the moment. Uh, through three categories the table stakes which are the must-haves the things that make a technology viable and then the key criteria which allow (laughs) companies to differentiate themselves from one another and emerging technology the things that are on the bleeding cutting edge and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about this uh, performance testing tools evaluating them and you know how something so important was boring a that blows my mind and, and B, what's making it exciting today?
1: What made it boring was it it was kind of this outplacing where you hit this one bubble then you'd basically farm it off to a testing team uh, and it was painful, it was expensive. Um, and typically it was so painful and expensive you saved it to the end of the product. Um, and that often meant that you either accepted performance bugs um, or you had to go back and do the hardest task of fixing them again and then paying for another load test. Uh, so it was thing that people kind of avoided. What's kind of changed is people are now doing this kind of concept of shifting left where they're trying to push things into the realm of the development world. So now most of the tools in this market space have the ability to be run by a developer as he's coding the application. Some have even done uh, things to allow them to be hooked into Uh, continuous integration tools like Jenkins. So as you um, commit code uh, or do a build, it'll actually then kick off a load test so you can have quick feedback on how the application is performing as it's being developed. So this kind of movement towards agile, uh, where I'm building part of an application at a time and just growing it, um, and the movement towards DevOps where I'm shifting stuff to left uh, is kind of what's changed this market up. Uh, it's pushed um, some new vendors in, uh, that have the ability to be, um, internet only, um, applications. So as a developer, I'm not having to install anything. I don't have to get a hold of central IT and have them, uh, do funky things for me. And as more and more projects are internet facing or located in the cloud, a lot of these cloud-based, um, features become really easy to use. And you're not having this issue like you had in the past of trying to open up, firewall holes to allow the application to be load tested across your internet links. And a lot lot of companies, um, they don't want their internet link saturated because you're doing a load test. They need it for their employees or for inbound traffic from customers. Uh, So that's kind of what the big things that have kind of happened in this space.
0: I was immediately reminded of uh, a Goldratt's book, The Goal, while you were talking. Uh, It sounds like Performance testing used to be a major bottleneck right. uh, that could really throw your entire process out the window, uh, and uh, and so the the movement has been one to widen that bottleneck and make it uh, synchronous with development, which right. I just essentially defined what DevOps and Agile are. So if you're a complete luddite, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> um so we by the way i want to point out that uh in this particular key criteria report you used a lot of graphics Mm -hmm. a lot of uh a lot of displays a lot of charts it really helps break down the technology and how things work and and the order of operations which i think is extremely useful and if you want to see any of this, obviously you can subscribe to Gigom Research and get access to the full breadth of our reports. But let's get to the nitty gritty of of what these technologies are. Of course, I'm speaking of the, the table stakes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so- what,
0: d- d- basically, what does testing performance tools must have?
1: Okay. So performance, just to help set the stage in performance, we're talking about how an application performs. We're not trying to replace application performance monitoring, which are like your new relics and Dynatraces in the market. This is not that. This is letting you see under load how the application is going to perform and where certain parts of it don't work well. So in that space um, that we're talking about here, We needed to have table stakes. The the tool had to have some ability to define a test and manage the test. So um, am I testing a shopping cart? Am I testing a loan application? Am I testing something? What is that I'm testing? Uh, And then managing it over time. Um, One of the things that happens when you do agile is I build a certain function and release it. I build the next function and release it. So a tool has to be able to be linked to that management process. So you're testing not only the new feature, but you're also testing the old features to make sure they didn't get broken. Um, The application has to have some ability to be customized. So um, if I used it for version 1, I should be able to modify that test to support version 2 and version 3 without having to completely redo it from scratch. Um, One of the other things is we wanted the um, um, table stakes to include the ability for it to integrate with the uh, developer's environment. So a lot of developers use what's called an IDE, or Integrated Development Environment. Mm-hmm. Eclipse is an example. Visual Studio is an example of um, IDEs. So we wanted um, a tool that could work and link into the developer or um, or and or link into a CI, CD process. So as a developer um, checked in code, it was built, it could be immediately tested, or as it's deployed, it could be tested so that we're not having a separate group where we throw it over the wall and say, it's your problem. Uh, it's now just part of that automation process that sure. a CI/CD pipeline gives you. Uh, and now,
0: let me right. jump in here real quick. I want to point out that we've done reports on CI/CD before. Uh, John Collins, who's a mm-hmm. uh, a guru of DevOps uh, and our VP of research, in fact, has written several reports on CI/CD. It's it's a really important aspect of the technology industry right now, and. Uh, something to keep an eye on, especially when we're considering like what technologies are uh, integrating with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I want to say the last the last thing on the table stakes list uh, seems so infinitesimally small but is so infant not infinite so incredibly important which is flexible load generation uh, and, and I say all that because so many things, especially, when they're just starting kind of in their phase of innovation are one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And one size fits all, never fits all.
1: (laughs) Correct. Yeah, and so one of the things um, in this space, we wanna make sure that the um, people that we're testing had the ability to test uh, on-prem in the cloud, um, and they had the ability to test in more than one part of the country. Uh, So some of the vendors support 20 different um, uh, locations across the, the globe. Um, others use like Amazon or AWS, but right, it's Amazon. Um, um, Amazon or Azure um, uh, locations, GCP. So they give you the ability to test from different locations uh, because if I'm building an application that's gonna be hosted mainly in America, but I'm supporting European or Asian customers, I wanna understand what is the perceived application response time for them. Uh, uh, so we want that kind of flexibility and where that went. We also want the ability for, if someone had an on-prem need, that they could um, host that kind of capacity internally and not have to try to tunnel that across the internet. The example we had before, we were talking about using your internet pipe to do load testing. You really don't want to be um, using that same link that you're using for your employees or your customers to do business to uh, pump a load test. Um, So again, that's kind of what these table stakes kind of needed to be. Um, And uh, so of the tools that we kind of evaluated they had to meet these to be part of the future product which is called the radar
0: right and and you know that's a very important uh comment there because we've often said on this show that the table stakes are like having air conditioning in your car in texas Mm -hmm. if you don't have it it's not a viable option we're not even going to consider that uh Obviously, there are some people that consider it. Uh, if you're a startup just beginning, you have you know a couple hundred dollars to your name, maybe you're getting the, uh, the, the testing tools that don't have the air conditioning and only have three wheels. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> from an enterprise perspective, the table stakes are what you have to have in order for it to make sense for you. Now, yeah. key criteria... Oh, yeah. sorry, oh, go so, ahead.
1: Uh, yes, so one of the things that, has, that kind of changed, um, especially as we move more, more towards cloud, especially around 2017, is the um, cloud-only or the um, open-source tools were killing the market uh, because um, the ability for um, people to be able to go to them and have no cost mm-hmm. um, or very little low cost. Um, that's forced the major vendors to rethink their pricing structure so you can now um, get a light version of a really expensive product to run um, in the cloud. So if I'm a startup, I can uh, still get that kind of um, future ability to use a load runner or an IBM tool, um, but have a kind of an easier way of starting. Uh, so I'm not having to always start with just open source um, and uh, you know, in three years having to rewrite all that into another product. Uh, so one of the things that's changed is um, I can now start out with these open source tools. Everything that I spent for the next two years writing an open source can be consumed by these more expensive tools. Um, so that's one of the things that's kind of changed is, is um, because you had these free tools, the paid vendors um, needed to do something to be able to um, take advantage of that. Uh, and that was kind of one of the things that people used against them was that their proprietary way of creating um, test cases or uh, load tests was so painful that a lot of people went to these kind of free open source tools. Uh, it's
0: always really incredible to see how uh, the the open source community continuously disrupts the industry mm-hmm. and, yep. and changes the game. I was talking to our developer at GigaOM, Jamie, mm-hmm. the other day, and I, I told him I needed to send flowers to uh, the, the grave of the guy who invented copy paste. Mm-hmm. Because as, you know, as engineers and as, uh, as editors, there's no great, like, on my keyboard, the control C and control V keys are completely faded away. You can't see yeah. them anymore because I use them so much. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, these things happen and you don't know they're coming. But once they do, like open source performance testing tools, you have to react to it. Mm-hmm. You have to react to it or you have to change your entire model. And sometimes it's both um, key criteria. However, this is yeah. where uh, companies can really kind of pull ahead of the pack yeah. or, or define themselves further to be more niche in mm-hmm. some cases. Uh, and let's just look at a couple of these mm-hmm. uh, specifically. Let's talk about advanced load types and testing as code. Can you tell me can you tell me a little bit about those?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that um, advanced load types, there's a lot of people can test websites. Um, so that's kind of really relatively simple. Um, but if I need to test like FAP, because uh, I need to do something uh, with my sales and procurement or my warehouse data, those don't use web-based interfaces. Uh, uh, so that becomes kind of an advanced load type. If I need to load test, a um, a VDI session. So if I'm a large company and I want to make sure this application works well on VDI, I need to load test that. So I need to test the ability for Citrix or um, a competing VDI product to work. Um, So those are some examples of advanced load types. If I need to test against Salesforce, if I need to test against um, uh, ServiceNow or some other famous um, uh, software as a service company, that's not just simple things. Um, so you need more complicated um, ways of addressing those and that's kind of what advanced load types are um, now your next one testing is code so one of the things that we were talking about earlier is shifting left so the ability to um, take um, your load testing scripts and your test data and be able to store that in a git repository so as a programmer develops code and they create new versions the version of the test can be saved with the version of the application. So if I need to roll back, I know exactly which load test to test that rollback again to make sure that it's successful. Uh, um, So that's kind of why it's really important. And one of the things that sets some of these products apart is their ability to be tightly coupled to the version of the application that that test case is written for. Uh, So I'm not having to uh, make sure that my people name things manually that this is for uh, shopping cart number 23 version 3 and hope that they remember that kind of stuff um so the ones that do testing as code they literally store it in with the um code that the the developer was working on so you now have this immutable version that's um, always tied together so if i roll back it becomes really easy for like operations to say hey your last push we had to roll back uh, in that rollback, we needed to make sure it worked. So we were able to use the version test uh, from that what we rolled back to to make sure that it was still working. That's kind of where this kind of moves, where I can um, do testing as code, which enables shift left, but also gives you the ability to do shift right, where I'm automating functions for operations. So again, like operations, it's easy to roll back an application version you've given them the ability to automate the testing of the application. So they're not having to wake up developers in the middle of the night saying, hey, please uh, re- test your application. Is it working? Uh, There's a lot of them to automate that way. So in theory, you could have a rollback totally done by autonomous agents and no human is up at three in the morning uh, seeing if a load test um, worked after you rolled back or promoted an application. Sure. So those are some of the really interesting things that happened.
0: Now I see, Opinionated advice in the key criteria. Yep. I am often told by my boss at GigaOM, Michael Delzer, <laughs> that I have too much opinionated advice.
1: Michael doesn't.
0: Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm Michael Delzer.
0: <laughs> you know what? If I if I have to remember one more Mike D, I'm going to uh, – that's why I go by Johnny, actually, is because I came on to GigaOM. There were four other Johns so we had to figure something out yes so i'm i'm often told i have too much opinionated advice by the editorial team here at giga ohm uh what is this is this something that is generated by the uh the tool itself is it a support mm-hmm. item what is, yeah, what
1: is no it- it's, it's uh, so one of the neat things that some of these tool vendors have done is they've put in either machine learning or automation automated intelligence mm-hmm. that can actually tell you Um, Not only um, like root cause kind of shows you kind of graphs and you can kind of infer that this is what's causing it. Some can actually tell you it's actually this, um, but they don't tell you how to fix it. Um, Other tools have gotten the extra layer of saying, hey, um, to fix this issue in Oracle's database, to fix this issue in Microsoft SQL or into um, the Apache web server or Nginx, um, this is the setting you need to change. Um, that opinionated advice is saying, hey, we've seen this before, uh, we have a large customer base, we know that, that when you see this, not only is the problem um, an um, Oracle database setting, but the way to fix it is to make this change to your Oracle database. Okay. Um, uh, or here's the, um, uh, um, you have a problem in your TCP IP settings for your um, Linux hosts. Here's the actual setting you need to change in your uh, Linux configuration to um, get past this kind of funky uh, niche issue. Um, so other products will just say, hey, your OS is messed up, but won't tell you how to fix it. The ones that have opinionated advice have enough experience uh, because of their customer size base and how long they've been in operation to be able to actually say, to fix this, this is how you would actually go fix it. And that's incredibly valuable because now I'm not having to go look through manuals and try to figure out, um, uh, my Oracle databases, um, throwing this error. Uh, what does that mean? And, you know, then, uh, now that I know what it means, how do I fix it? The ones that have opinion advice will uh, say, Hey, this is what your Oracle database is doing. Uh, this is um, where you define the change and here's the, uh, the range of setting values that you need to set it to. Um, so that's why for a lot of companies that they'll spend that extra money to be able to get that, um, advice because that shortens their mean time to repair.
0: Sure. And, uh, and that moves us right into emerging technology, mm-hmm. which includes the integration of ML and AI mm-hmm. for RCA, uh, machine learning and mm-hmm. artificial intelligence mm-hmm. for root cause analysis and opinionated advice, mm-hmm. which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. The next item is automated test creation. That's more mm-hmm. AI and ML in order to learn what you need to actually performance test. Mm -hmm. I think that's fairly self-explanatory, but obviously anytime we're talking about emerging technology and where things are going, we're going to be talking about AI. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. Now the next three items, Mm -hmm. don't need to talk about them specifically because they're all connected. Support for Kubernetes, Mm -hmm. support for microservice, support for cloud-based AAS testing, as a service Mm -hmm. testing. It sounds like the future of this technology is just, it's spreading its tendrils, its roots Mm -hmm. throughout the industry to become viable wherever you need it. Is that fair?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, like Cloud Foundry, um, Kubernetes, those have unique dependencies. Unlike before where you just had virtual machines that you're dealing with, you have an abstraction layer, either in Kubernetes or Cloud Foundry, that kind of abstracts some of these um, machine level metrics And so if the only thing your tool knew how to do was look at CPU load um, um, on a server, that's not gonna help you understand how busy Kubernetes is or is Kubernetes properly set up or what is the bottleneck in Kubernetes or Cloud Foundry. The same thing with microservices. Those things don't live on an OS by themselves. They're spread um, dynamically as needed across a um, a, a ephemeral group of systems uh, so that instance, especially microservices, may only live for the execution of that one transaction. So there is no point in trying to instrument that server to try to um, learn what was happening. So you need to have different tools. Um, and there's different ways of getting that kind of data, but the classic tools that only worked um, well on OSs will not support Kubernetes, Cloud Foundry or microservices. So that's why some of these um, other companies have extended what they've done to be able to go get that data From a Kubernetes control panel, from a microservices engine. Uh, So that's kind of what that's kind of radically changed that space. And one of the last ones is um, people may have done some really extensive work in customizing Salesforce, Um, but you need to be able to test um, your um, kind of application, whether it be um, created by a low code, no code that fits in front of um, Salesforce but you need to be able to test that. So you to, if you have a testing tool that knows the API of a Salesforce, then it can actually um, kind of properly let you test Salesforce without accidentally doing something against Salesforce that violates your terms of service um, because often those kind of companies don't want you load testing against their production environment. Uh, so you need some way of supporting that kind of ability to test those um, uh, third-party people um, that you've built some kind of interface in front of Uh, and a lot of people, um, are, you know, spend a lot of money on building out some kind of modification to Salesforce, uh, to beat the way their company wants to to do marketing and sales and look at, um, but they have no ability to understand why it's slow. So one of the uh, things that's kind of happened in this space is, um, some of these companies have built out the ability to properly test those others have also added the ability to virtualize Salesforce. So I'm not actually hitting Salesforce, I virtualized it. So now I can do my load testing against it and find out what is wrong in my app. And it's independent of Salesforce having a bad day.
0: Right, that makes sense.
1: Right now you're (laughs) working
0: on the radar, which is a sister report with uh, the key criteria. Mm -hmm. Now the way the radar works is that we take all of these, the table stakes, key criteria and emerging technology, and we put it against the vendors that exist in the market Mm -hmm. today. And we look at where they are, and we rank them, and and this is important. Uh, the way we rank them is is Michael, you take mm-hmm. your experience with these guys, you do research on them, you talk mm-hmm. to your colleagues, and you figure out where you think those scores are, and then we send it to them, mm-hmm. and we say, here's our analysis of you, and they mm-hmm. say, no, we're graded everything, and we say, okay. Send it, get it past the marketing team, get it to your engineers. What, you know, where are you in the market? What are you doing? And if you, and if you do think we're wrong, explain to us and show us why. And it's a back and forth. Uh, you know, we've had plenty of times that we've sat through where analysts have, you know, said, you know what? They showed me this and I think they do need to be at uh, a three plus signs for this. And there's other times where I've seen analysts say, yeah, they keep saying that, but no, they're not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we we want to give a very truthful um, and and beyond that, a useful Mm -hmm. analysis of the uh, the vendors within the space Mm -hmm. because our goal is for you to be able to look at this radar and figure out what is best for your enterprise uh, beyond Mm -hmm. vendors' marketing speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other than mine, my marketing speak is immaculate and wonderful subscribe to gigaom.com um michael before i let you go was there anything it while working on either this or the radar that was surprising to you that that maybe came as a a shock in the performance testing space
1: uh the main one is if you are a regulated company uh um, where you like are American, you have to res- respond to Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, you're a company that has to respond to PCI um, or any other um, um, regulatory, whether you're in the United States, Canada, or Europe, or Asia. Um, um, there are certain regulations they have that say, you um, have to do this, or you can't do this. Um, so some of these um, test tool vendors may say, I have enterprise class security. Um, but they really will not let you, um, if you use them, you would not pass your audit tests for those companies. Uh, So one of the um, critical things to look at is the enterprise security aspect of the vendor. So if you're one of these regulated companies um, where um, you need to be able to prove that um, uh, only people who needed to um, be able to test the application could, um, that the um, ability to, um, access the test system. It doesn't allow someone to use it to go mine data. Uh, so if I want to find out what's happening in Britney Spears, I can't use your API to go find out what she's doing. Um, so that's one of the things that um, these kind of controls are for, um, especially if the um, thing that you're testing is a, a financial report. Uh, so again, things, Oxley doesn't want people to see financial data before it's made public. And if your load testing tool can be compromised, somebody without authorization could actually go see what your next quarterly results are going to be and either sell shares or buy shares, um, based on that kind of information. Right. Um, so, and that uh, whether someone does or doesn't do it, the auditor is going to find that you're, um, deficient in that space. Uh, and if it gets caught by an auditor, it's going to be um, considered what's called a finding findings often, often negatively impact your stock price. Uh, so again, uh, some of these tools, um, if you are a regulated uh, industry with, and you're going to test regulated applications, um, you need to uh, look at what's, what fine level details they're doing in, uh, um, security and the way they store secrets like passwords. Um, I think that's that's one of the,
0: yeah, I think that's a fantastic point and not what I was expecting. Uh, you know, we have all this information and it's it's always important to do your own research on top of our research. Um, Not only because you need to look at things like security, which I'm a huge Mm -hmm. advocate for, uh, but also so that you can look at what is the best fit for your specific enterprise and your specific needs. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And, Uh, For everyone out there, if you've enjoyed this, please check out our other shows on gigaohm.com. We have a beautiful uh, new website. Uh, It looks gorgeous. Uh, We worked very hard on it, including we have an About Us section now, so you can look at my lovely picture if you missed the live aspect of the show and you just want to look at me while listening to me. That's that's an option for you now. Um, But if you feel like you have learned something i really do urge you to check out the website we have a blog that we post regularly with updates on the industry we have all of these reports you know the key criteria so you can learn about the technologies and the market radar so you can learn about the uh vendors that exist within those technologies and all of that is accessible as soon as you subscribe to GigaOm research for giga i'm johnny baltusberger and this has been voices
1: in innovation just listen